0: So, as you guys can see, it's not the Gospel of Mark this morning. Uh, I was actually preparing and writing my sermon on the next passage on the Gospel of Mark. And on Thursday, I went to a coffee shop as usual. I was getting ready to finish up my sermon. And I felt like the Lord's saying, preach on something else. And I was like, no, it's already Thursday. Uh, I, did all my, I read all my commentaries. I did my exegesis. I wrote a third of my sermon already. And uh, we had like some meetings and things to go to, so I didn't really have much time, but I felt like the Lord told me that I need to preach on something else. And so you have to listen to the Lord. And so this morning, uh, just as the pastor of this group, I wanted to just give a few words uh, as we approach the relaunch of our church next week. And so this sermon would be a bit informal in some ways, Uh, I usually stick very closely to a particular passage of Scripture and explain to you every line. Uh, But today, it's going to kind of be like a family discussion, almost. And it will be shorter, which is good news for you guys. And give you a few words of encouragement and challenge as we lead up. Uh, Because starting next week and the weeks after, we might have a lot of guests who join us. And it might feel like a different church. And so I just felt like today I wanted to give you guys maybe an encouraging and a challenging word for us as we approach this new season as a church, okay? Um, if you guys follow me on Instagram, I wrote this, but uh, this past Thursday, September 22nd, marked the one year uh, since my first visit to Montreal, right? And this was before any decision was made. Uh, it was the first time I met you guys in person. And I still remember getting off the plane with my uh, pastor, uh, Pastor Charles, um, Um, And Alyssa, this tiny, uh, blonde Asian girl, uh, ran up to us and gave us a big hug, even though we never met her in person, which was great. Uh, And we proceeded to spend, you know, almost every minute with the core leaders Uh, every night. I think we talked for like three, four hours. Uh, They introduced me to Poutine, Um, they gave me interview questions, they were like, what are your weaknesses as a pastor, I was like, oh, we're going there already, okay, Um, I remember my first sermon that I preached to you guys was on this trip, on the book of Philippians, and I think the core leaders were trying to make it seem like I I wasn't a pastoral candidate, uh, that I was just uh, a friend of Pastor Sam who came to preach, I'm sure you guys knew uh, that I was uh, there for a reason. And I distinctly remember on the plane ride back thinking to myself, oh man, this can actually happen. Uh, Because you you guys have to remember, I've had other opportunities to move to different cities and states uh, to become a lead pastor. uh, But for one reason or another, I always kind of rejected, uh, kind of declined the opportunity. But for some reason on the way back, I kind of knew that this was already going to happen. And when I got back, the ball started rolling really quickly, especially because after I told my wife, who was five months pregnant at that time, uh, and she was just like, I'm down. You know? She had no hesitation. Uh, she was ready to go pack up and leave. And so we started packing. We started selling things. We started meeting up with everyone for one last time before we moved. And I remember the process being really emotional in many ways i think on the one hand it was difficult uh, because of the people that we were leaving uh, especially my parents and my brother uh, with my parents especially getting up in age a little bit Uh, my tapestry church uh, the staff members if you guys if you turn to the next slide yeah my the tapestry staff that i went to war with for eight years as we planted that church uh, a lot of whom were actually childhood friends and mentors of mine Uh, But on the other side, and I think this outweighed the difficulty, was the excitement and the anticipation of the community and the mission that God had waiting for me as I got to Montreal. And I've said this many times before, and I'll say it until you guys are tired of it, uh, but you guys have really made this transition much easier uh, than it should have been. I remember when I first got here, uh, Josh, he actually messaged me on Instagram, and he told me every Canadian equivalent to the American stores uh, without even me asking him. And that was super helpful because I thought Canadian tire next to my house only sold tires, honestly. (laughs) I didn't know they had everything that you needed. Um, The core leaders, if you guys remember in the beginning, I took a picture of almost every street parking sign to ask you guys if I could park there because I didn't know how to read uh, French. And even though in a lot of ways we are still transitioning, um, I think it's been a great first nine months of actually uh, being here with you guys, and it still amazes me. Uh, Jesse and I, we still look at each other. We're like, "Wow, we, I can't believe we're in Montreal," um, because you know, my brother-in-law recently he preached to my old church and. He was telling people, if you know Andrew, you know that he is Koreatown, Los Angeles to the fullest, and it takes a move of God to get him out of there, and God moved, and I'm here in Montreal, and I just want to thank you guys. You know, personally, for the last nine months, uh, ministry has been so life-giving, and it's been uh, really healing for me in a lot of ways, and I feel like it really refueled and refreshed my own faith and relationship with the Lord uh, in a lot of ways, and so uh, I'm really grateful to be here, and you know, after we arrived, by God's grace, we've been slowly but surely building a live church. Um, yeah, here, where we started in-person services, first round of experiencing God discipleship. Uh, don't tell my old church, but that was my favorite experiencing God I had with uh, ever. Uh, first season of life group uh, together, uh, I was with the guys. I never ate so much pizza and ramen uh, in my life before. <laughs> I have a rule. I only eat five ramens a year but I broke that rule because of life group. <laughs> so uh, we did two love our cities, a bunch of lead seats, and I believe that we're just getting started, you know? And I've heard from many of you that you do sense that God is moving in a powerful way among us. Uh, after talking with a lot of you guys, some of you guys have found your faith again for the first time in a long time. Uh, some of you guys are unlearning a lot of things about church, about God that needed to be corrected. Uh, a lot of you guys have experience. God in ways that you guys haven't in a long time. Uh, For some of you, I know you guys are going through some difficult moments where God has taken things away from you, but you do sense that it's only because God wants wants to give you the greater thing that he has in store. And I'm sure you agree that God has been working, and it's just the beginning. And so with the relaunch right in front of us, I just felt it necessary to give you a few words before next Sunday, and I just want to share two shifts in our mentality, in our posture that we all need to embrace if we're going to become the church that God has called us to be, okay? Just two things. And I hope I have enough of a relationship with you guys to say these things. It could sound a little hard, uh, but I think it's something that we all want deep down inside, okay? So the first shift that we all need to embrace as a church is to go from self-dependence to spirit dependence, You know, one of the most radical moments of transformation in our history is the difference between the disciples' pre-resurrection of Jesus and post-resurrection of Jesus. If you guys remember in the Gospels, when Jesus was being crucified on top of the hill, none of the disciples were present except John when Jesus was being crucified. They were in a room terrified because of what might happen to them, that they might actually be crucified as well. And it was a real threat, so I don't blame them. And what I love to say to the men is remember, it was the women who were at Jesus' crucifixion. It was the women who went to the tomb to check on Jesus and report back and preach the first resurrection a sermon. And it was the men and the disciples who were cowering in a room by themselves. And all of this happened. After having witnessed Jesus display powerful moments of healing, of miracles, of calming the sea, even walking on water, and they still abandoned their leader at his most crucial time. But what's interesting is that in a matter of days, the once afraid disciples are literally out in public preaching the gospel to anyone that would hear them, even though that they were most likely going to be uh, met with the same fate as their leader because it was a very politically hostile and intense time. In other words, they shifted from fear to boldness, from seeking safety to risk-taking for the sake of the gospel. And the question I want to pose to you today is, what changed in a matter of days? And I think if you really kind of study this, we can point to two things. The first thing is that they saw the resurrected Christ. Uh, In the book of Acts, after Jesus resurrects, Jesus spends 40 days with the disciples. And having witnessed their leader defeat death itself, it would give any one of us an extra boost of confidence. Now, the second thing is this. Let's read in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, what ultimately changed the disciples was the filling of the Holy Spirit. It was the Spirit that transformed their fear-based life and relationship to God into one of boldness and faith. It was the spirit-empowered work of the disciples that brought thousands of people into relationship with God within a matter of the first four chapters of the book of Acts. You see, it was a spirit that changed the disciples into an entirely new person. Have you ever met someone, uh, you knew somebody a long time ago and then you didn't see them for like a couple years and then they almost become, they're almost unrecognizable because of how much they changed? Like that happened to the disciples in a matter of 40 days. They were an entirely new person because of the Holy Spirit. You see, dependence upon the Spirit, even for the disciples, was crucial. And here's the thing. What sin, I'm sure you guys can all agree, has done to all of us, all of our hearts, is that it's made us prone to self-dependence. Reliance on strategy, techniques that we can develop to control our situation, what's worked in the past, but movements of God have always begun with a group that have shifted their posture from self-dependence to spirit dependence. Now, I'm sure no one would disagree with that. And maybe the question is, what does that look like? And I wish I had a very profound answer for you, but it's very simple. It's primarily expressed in a passion for prayer. Because you see, if you think about it, prayer is the spiritual language of need and dependence. You can say all you want, that you need God and you depend on God, but a lack of prayer, no matter what you say, is proof that you are living in self-dependence. And if if there's something that I want our church to be known for, it's prayer. Our posture must always be one of prayer because our hearts must always operate from a place of spirit dependence. And I promise you, if we don't live with that posture, our church is simply going to be just another church that runs programs, that might have a cool Instagram, but people don't actually change. Yeah. Many of us have been part of churches in the past where you were very uh, committed, maybe devoted, but because there was no sense of spirit dependence, there was no transformation happening. You had really good churchgoers, but you didn't have people who were, very, who were transformed in the depths of their souls because the spirit needs to be depended upon. And I hope that you guys understand, a life Church, that prayer is powerful. And some of you might be cynical, and I hope through this church that you guys can have a refreshed and renewed sense of power when it comes to prayer itself. And history is proof of this, that you cannot have a movement of God without prayer. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of this uh, man named Count Zinzendorf. He sounds like a Harry Potter character. Uh, but he was a leader uh, of this Movement called the Moravian Prayer Movement. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but it was the first 27 prayer movement in the history of the world where unbroken prayer, 24-7, every hour and minute filled with at least two or three people praying. It went on unbroken, not for 21 days, not for a year, but for 100 years. Unbroken, 24-7 prayer, every minute filled. And from that place of prayer and and dependence, this is where the modern missionary movement was birthed out of, where hundreds of missionaries were sent to different and thousands of places in the world that were unreached, where there was darkness, where the light of the gospel has not shown. But it was started because there was this dependence upon the Lord where they could not even waste one minute without prayer. Think about the book of Acts. Where, Where did the spirit movement start? in the upper room prayer meeting. Or the businessman revival that I talked about a few months ago, where one million people were reached because a man said, I'm going to spend all of my lunch breaks just spending that lunch break for one hour praying and asking for revival in the city of Chicago. And that little heart produced, reached a million people who came to know the Lord. You know, if we want to do of anything of eternal significance... We need to be a house of prayer, a people of spirit dependence. And as I was praying, uh, it was interesting. I was literally writing, about to write this part, and Jesse messaged me because she was praying for the church. And she, she, she says she got Zechariah 4, six, which is exactly what my heart was praying. Um, and in Zechariah 4, six, this is what it says. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And I want this to be the mantra of a live church, where things are happening here that cannot be explained by human ability or because of my sermons or because of your praise or because of your abilities. I want people to say like, what in the world is going on here? How are people changing? And we need to shift our posture as church in all that we do. You know what my dream would be? my dream would be that the most attended event that we have at our church are prayer meetings. Because the truth is, the least attended church events at church are prayer meetings. And I hope we could flip that on its head. And we don't come because it's fun or entertaining, but because we know that we need the Lord. And in his presence is the fullness of joy. And it is from that place that God is going to use our church for his glory. And so this is an invitation for you guys to pray. And lucky for you, there's a great way to begin. Okay, we're fasting every night this week and praying. If you can't fast, that's fine, right? Uh, Like I said, I want you guys to at least do a basic media fast. If you guys are hooked on Netflix or, I don't know, dramas or whatever, maybe that's something that you give up. And you just spend this week cutting out the noise so that you can hear the voice of the Lord. Okay? And I want you guys to commit, this is just my challenge to you, two to three nights to come out in person. Uh, we're going to do a hybrid, but I think come in person. Uh, if, if you can't, Zoom's fine. But just two, two or three nights, come. If you're busy, I would say work ahead so that you can spare one hour just to spend time and really cry out to the Lord with us. Uh, and I know for many of us, uh, prayer is not easy. So I know this sermon is not going to get you to a place where you're praying for hours. Uh, and, you know, as I was writing this, do you remember the only time the disciples asked Jesus to teach them something was only one thing. They never, they never asked Jesus to teach them anything else. They said, teach us how to pray. Because probably prayer was hard for them too. And maybe that's something that you guys, I want to invite you to, if, if prayer is tough, just go before us, Lord and say, teach me how to pray. Give me a passion for prayer and pray for five minutes, right? I want to invite you to live that life of prayer, and I guarantee you your life will be changed, okay? So that's the first shift from self-dependence to uh, spirit dependence. Now, really quickly, the second shift I want all of us to embrace, I know some of you guys are new, so maybe this doesn't apply to you as much, um, but I hope it does, is the shift from consumer to owner, okay? Having a mentality, from having a mentality of a consumer to one of owner. Okay, let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. And the Lord added to a number day by day those who were being saved. I want you to hone in on a verse here. They devoted themselves. Okay, that's ownership language. Consumers don't devote themselves to anything. A right? consumer by definition is they consume and they take. If there is anything that they, cons- uh, that they are devoted to, it's themselves and their own benefit. But devotion here by the people, specifically to the life of the church, shows that they had a sense of responsibility for their church. They are literally giving up their own possessions for the sake of other people. A consumer does not do that, right? That is a mentality of an owner, of an employer. And many of us, um, especially if you're much younger uh, and if you've grown up in the church, you grew up in a context where the welfare of the church was primarily shouldered by your parents and your older uh, believers in the church. Uh, Their tithes, their prayers, their devotion, their commitment were the things that God used to build that church. And we had our part in it, but a lot of it was shouldered by the older generation. And we honor that, right? We have a faith, we have a faith, we have had opportunities to experience the goodness of God through our parents, through the elders, through the people who have gone before us. And that is how it should be. But here's the thing. Part of a live Church's independence, if I'm getting the story right, is that independence from your parents' church was a way to say that we no longer see ourselves just as beneficiaries of the devotion of other people. But we want to take ownership of the church. Meaning, and I hope you take this as an invitation for something greater. This means that if you don't pray for the church, no one else will pray for the church. This means, and I hate talking about money, as a pastor, if you don't give generously, your tithes and offerings, rent and the bills will not be paid. It means that if you don't devote yourself to one another, no one else will take care of each other. This means that if you don't serve, there will be no ministry. <laughs> I know that sounds harsh, but it's, it's just a reality of what it means to be independent. Right? When you move out of your parents' home, I hope you're not still you know, depending on your parents for everything in your life. There is a sense of ownership of your own life. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that this is your church. This is not your parents' church. This is not my church as a pastor. This is not the core leader's church. This is your church. And you are being invited to make in your own by your devotion. We need to shift from being consumers to owners. You know, my parents, they did business And they told me the biggest mentality difference is between an employer and an employee, right? An employee will walk through the store, and if there's trash on the floor, they won't pick it up. But as an owner, you notice every single thing, right? And you care for every single part because that is yours. And I hope that we can have that mentality. In Ephesians chapter 4, my job is not to do the ministry. My job is to equip you so that you do the ministry, If I'm doing everything, that means we are an unhealthy church. And this is the beginning phase of our church, so it's fine. Not that I'm doing everything, obviously. There's a lot of you who are really taking up that mentality. But if we are still functioning from that place, that means we are not growing in health. And I think I said this in the first month or so. I need your talents. I need your giftings. We are, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians, Right? If, we don't have, if the body doesn't have the eye or the hand or the toe or whatever, we are less effective. And so I want to invite you to exercise your giftings for this church. And it would only be, it's not just giving, you will receive more than you think. Um, and so those are the two shifts that I want to challenge you uh, this morning. A shift from self-dependence to spirit dependence, from consumer to owner. And, you know, I'm really challenged and encouraged by a lot of you. Some of you have had opportunities to explore, explore life outside of Montreal, uh, but you guys want to stay or have chosen to stay because you feel like God is doing something at a live church. I'm like shook by that. I'm like, wow, you guys <laughs> want to stay, right, because of church. And that's awesome. That is a type of life that God wants you to live. One that doesn't make sense. One that doesn't make sense in human perspective. But when God calls you, that you obey, and you trust that he has the best things for you uh, for your life. Amen? Okay, why don't we stand up and let's uh, take some time to pray.